This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Good evening, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 365, recorded on Monday, the 12th of March, 2018. So if we recorded an episode every day, that'd be a year. We'd have been, we'd have only been a year in. That's right. Okay. Well, that's good. Instead, we're what, nine years in almost and, and we've done 365. So that averages out to one episode every nine days. Well, that's about right. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, 365. It's quite, quite something. So. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. This is, of course, The Talking Dead, where we will be recapping the latest episode of The Walking Dead TV show. We've got that coming up. We've also got a short Holy Crap segment at the end, and even some uh, After Hours action this week, so I'm looking forward to that. But first... Well, I... you know, to be honest, it's more After Hours talking. There's not really action. There's no, We're not going to have actions, are we? <laughs> uh, I don't think so, but you're right. Yeah, it's more after hours talking. Okay. Right. Sorry to jump in there. N- no problem. Just, you, wanna, you don't want to mislead people, right? Well, uh, you know, you, you want to you uh, get them excited a little yeah, bit. Of, but you're not Frank Darabont. Uh, no, I'm definitely right? not. You want to get them excited, but you don't want to lie. So, you know, I just have to call you on it. <laughs> okay, fine. There will be no action. There will be possibly some talking after the closing music of this podcast. It'll be exciting. I don't know about that, but we'll have to wait and find out. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa there. All right. Now you're making promises you might not be able to keep. <laughs> right. Okay. So we're going to do all that. Uh, but first we are going to talk briefly about our record your favorite scene contest. That is the contest in which you pick a scene from any season of the walking dead, record it with your friends, your family, or by yourself and send the recording into us. Jason and I listen to them all, we debate heavily, and then eventually we choose our favorite, and the winner gets a great prize pack full of all kinds of cool stuff, including this year, the Walking Dead Monopoly board game. Nice. A um, a Talking Dead podcast t-shirt, the exclusive t-shirt available in the Walking Dead supply drop number one, which uh, I received and I am happily giving away. There is also a complete set of the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive comics, variant comic covers for the All Out War storyline from the comics. They're in sort of a G.I. Joe theme, and you've got, uh, uh, oh, what is it? It's not the Rick Patrol, but it's something I forget now, damn it. Um, But they're very cool, and they were only available at Comic-Con. Um, and then a bunch of other stuff too, uh, a mug and some stickers and things like that. So dungeon master's guide. Yep. Dungeon master's guide that you, uh, generously donated to it. I had an extra. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so good for you. So that all that stuff can be yours, but you do have to enter the contest by recording your scene and sending it into us. And, uh, please do that before the end of season eight. We've got... When's the end of the season? It's in April sometime? It's going to be in April sometime. So there's still a little bit of time, but, you know, don't don't dilly-dally. Oh, shit. You all right over there? Yeah, yeah, I forgot to do something. It's okay. Okay. Um, email your entries to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, to get your juices flowing a little bit, I'm going to play an entry. This comes from Vince in San Jose, California. 
The ones out there, the living and the dead, they'll try to get in here. Because we're in here. They'll hunt us, they'll find us, they'll try to use us, they'll kill us. We'll kill them. We'll survive. I'll show you how. You know, I was thinking, how many of you do I have to kill to save your lives? But I'm not going to do that. You're going to change. All right. Thanks, Vince, for sending that in. Uh, that's a, one of the shorter entries we get, actually. Some people like to record for minutes. We Last last year, we got one that I think that was half an hour long. Wow. Yeah. So that's just one sample. Uh, you can pick any scene from any season of The Walking Dead and uh, record it and fire it into us. And um, we look forward to getting lots more of those. Okay. We're going to move on into our recap of the latest episode of The Walking Dead. Now, Jason, last week I suggested, I mean, I put out the call specifically for title reads for this episode. Mm -hmm. And as is usually the case, our listeners did not disappoint. Good. And the title of this week's episode is a little unusual. So here we go with the title reads. I hope you all enjoy these. In Minnesota, we would say... Dead or alive or dead, dead or alive? alive. <laughs> dead or alive or or dead or or you know what this this, this title is bullshit. Negan, dead or alive or well whatever, you're coming with me. Tonight's episode of The Walking Dead, Dead or Alive, or, wait, or what? You can't end a, uh, whatever, just start the show. Dead or Alive, or dot dot dot. I'm a cowboy on a steel horse I ride, cause I'm wanted, dead or alive, or... Or Or (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much to Jennifer in Minneapolis, the Murdy family, that's Issa, Danny Ray, Ian and Jill in Countess Thorpe, UK, Scott in London, England, Jim in Delaware, Matt in Montezuma, Ohio, Wendy in South Dakota, Kara in Texas, and Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey. Nice. Or, or (laughs) I really enjoyed those. That was great. And I knew you guys would come through for us. So thank you all for that. All right, Jason, we're going to start with our cold open here. We get some saviors. They're on a bridge and over a walkie, they get some news that Gabe and Dr. Carson have hit the road. They are basically missing. So this group of saviors takes the instructions and uh, they get in their Jeep and roll out to search for them. The funny thing is, uh, the woman that's in, in the front, uh, she says, get a move on. And she's the last one in the truck. That's funny so. you mentioned that, actually. That comes up later. But uh, yeah, she's she's the one on the walkie, right? Well, I don't know if she's the one on the walkie. She's the one standing closest to the camera with, uh, she's got her field glasses and she's looking around. Oh, okay. But then for some reason she says, get a move on. And then she, you know, 
is the last one in the truck. Okay, well, either way, they they hit the road to search for uh, Father Gabe and Dr. Carson. Camera pans down, and yep. below the bridge, we see Daryl and the group of Alexandrians sort of hiding down there on their way. He directs them into the woods um, as they go, you know, basically saying, we got to stay off the road because, um, you know, that's where they're going to be looking for us. And he, they get into the forest, they encounter a zombie, Tara goes to kill it, but then she kind of throws it onto Dwight. Dwight yeah, is with because Dwight can handle himself and Tara knows that. She has every confidence in Dwight and yeah. his ability to dispatch uh, zombies. I'm not so sure that's exactly what she was going for uh, when she threw that zombie onto Dwight, but either way, um, he does kill it. Now, Rosita acts with some surprise, but Tara says it got away. He can handle it. Yeah, I agree with Tara. I said. have to take her at, a, at her word. Right. You know, why, why would she lie? Why would she lie? Exactly. Uh, Daryl tells her to just keep the people moving. He's kind of in charge here, getting them going. It seems that way, yeah. It does. Um, now, Dr. Carson and Gabe, they we cut over to them. They are talking in a stopped car. They're lost. They don't know where they are. And Father Gabe can't see the map. And apparently his vision is starting to blur due to the infection attacking his optic nerve. That really sucks. That doesn't sound nice at all, actually. Like, imagine just slowly going blind because you have an untreated infection. Well, I, you know, I, my vision has been getting worse since I turned 40. And, uh, you know, I feel for him. Not as rapidly as, uh, as Father Gabe, but it's really disconcerting. Because I can't see shit without my glasses anymore. Really? You're, you're I have a heart. Uh, they're bad. Like, I can't, like... I can't read my phone without my glasses anymore. Wow. Your eyesight is deteriorating quickly. Yeah. I, I'm, I assume that it's, uh, that it's deteriorated as much as it's going to, and it's stopped. Oh, good. <laughs> well, I'm sure that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. For your case, I hope so. Well, Father Gabe is also kind of acting strange in this scene. He mentions that God is leaving footprints on the side of the road, uh, so maybe they should let him in the car, but either way... He's leading the way. Mm -hmm. And, uh. I thought that, uh, did he specifically say, let, let him into the car? I assumed he meant let him into their hearts. Well, he did. You're right. He did say let him in, but he was just acting so weird. I think because mentioning the footprints. He's a priest. Come on. <laughs> I'm not sure what you're trying to say there, but when, when he says that he's leaving footprints along the side of the road, so we should let him in. Oh no, that's that, uh, that's that famous poster that uh that says when you're when you're walking on the beach and there's two sets of footprints uh, god is walking with you but when you when there's only one set of footprints it's because god is carrying you i haven't seen i mean that. it's a little more flowery than that but that's the sentiment oh. and that's what he's referring to is that you know we're he's walking beside us we should let him in to to carry us well see i'm a heathen and i did not understand that Oh, you don't have a grandma with uh, religious posters. No, I do not. Yeah, that's the problem. Okay. Well, uh, all right. I, I sort of get it now, but uh, either way, Father Gabe is acting kind of strange. He's, he's he's ill. He's very ill. That's right. He's, he's not in quite his right mind here uh, because of the infection. Well, I wouldn't, put, wouldn't go that far. You know, <laughs> okay. So, you know, he's, uh, he's definitely ill, but, uh, I think that what, what he's doing is he's, uh, he's trusting in God. I don't think that he's going crazy. I think that he's, uh, relying on his beliefs. Well, you may be right, but it's coming across 
and I don't mean to say he's crazy, like he's losing his mind, but I think the infection is getting to him a little bit and he's coming across a little unusual, certainly to yeah. Dr. Carson. Well, I think that anybody who is, uh, feels like that they're on the, uh, you know, their life is getting really, really short and that they may be, uh, you know, meeting God in a very short time period yeah. would, uh, would have a strong religious beliefs at that time. And that's how I see what's going on here. Well, especially if you had them before you got sick too. Yeah. And you know, he's a priest. Yeah. He's a, he's definitely a priest. Okay. Well, anyways, meanwhile, they're having this conversation. They don't know where to go. They're lost. And uh, meanwhile, there's a zombie sort of coming up behind them, dragging a chain, crawling along the road. And uh, they try to start their car, but it won't go. Well, two things there. One, I, you know, I didn't know what the chain was. Did you, you didn't know what the chain was right off the bat? No, because we see the chain before we see them in the car, right? And then we find yeah. out after at the end of the scene. Yeah, I just assumed the zombie was married. <laughs> oh, zing. <laughs> nice, good old. Uh, and the second thing is, uh, if you're going to pick up a car on the side of the road, don't, don't grab a Jaguar. They didn't. They break down all the time. They stole it. They, that's the car they took from uh, the san, uh, the sanctuary because yeah. on the walkie earlier they mentioned they they have um, somebody's green car. I think something like that. Yeah, don't 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 take a jag. They're always in the shop, so they're gonna break. It's gonna break down at some point. Pick right. something nice and simple, like a nineteen seventies Dodge or something, because if that breaks down, you're gonna be able to fix it. Apparently, the Toyota Matrix is a good car to choose because I recently had mine hit by a school bus. And it was this close to being a write-off, but even though it's a 12-year-old car, uh, the insurance company fixed it for me um, nice. because apparently these cars hold their value better than almost any other car on the road. So, Well, that's good. But it, uh, there's always something to be said about uh, cars from the 70s because uh, they don't have computers to break down. All they are is mechanical. And uh, if the mechanical, something breaks down, you can mechanically fix it. One who knows how, I mean, I wouldn't, I'd open it up and go, yep, that's broken. All right. Time <laughs> to get a new car. Yeah. But my point is Jaguars are always in the shop. So you never get a Jag and you never get a 19, you never get a seventies, uh, uh, Corvette. Cause they're always breaking down too. You seem to know well, a lot about what cars break down. I do know what cars break down. I mean, you, you've seen, uh, uh, Apollo 13. Yes. The movie? Yes. And you remember that uh, Tom Hanks was in the Corvette at the beginning and then the other, the people beside him pulled up uh, and said, hey, you want to race, uh, Mr. Uh, astronaut? And then the car chugged and chugged and chugged and didn't go anywhere. That's because two things. One, Corvettes sold cars to astronauts for extremely cheap in the 60s and 70s because they wanted to be seen uh, having astronauts driving Corvettes. And the second part of that story is that those Corvettes Broke down a lot. Huh. So that's why it's, you know, that was all rolled in there. But uh, yeah, Jags are always in the shop. I don't know where I knew that from. Uh, but yeah, don't pick up a Jag. Pick all up right. something a little more hardy. Do any car companies sell cars to software developers for really cheap? Because they want to... <sighs> they want to... Prius? <laughs> the Prius? <laughs> I don't know. They all seem to drive one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, they these guys, they try to start their car and it won't start and we go to the opening credits. Right. Come back and the zombie, the chain zombie is dead. Carson is checking Gabe's eyesight, which really sucks now. He, we, he can't see much at all. And they talk about finding another car, but Father Gabe hears something that he says sounds like a bell. They follow the sound through the forest and come across a house. 
And on the way, I noticed they found they pass another zombie that's sort of dragging itself along the ground in the forest. Mm-hmm. So a couple of draggers they've they've passed by. So we don't find anything else out about that house they've come across. We go over to Daryl and crew, and they're moving through the forest. Now, I guess I should say that I think the primary characters here in this band of, you know, merry characters is uh, Daryl, Tara, Rosita, and Dwight. That's who I would say our primary group is. And Rosita says that the people need to rest. Tara goes on to question why Dwight is still alive. She's, of course, anxious to kill him still. But Daryl and Rosita say no because he could still help. Right. Is there, is there a dog barking at your house? Yeah, sorry. There's a dog upstairs. We have a dog for okay. a little while. and I couldn't tell if it was at your house or at my house, so I thought I'd ask. Yeah. if it was at my house, I'd have to you know, pause the podcast for a second and figure out where the hell that dog came from. But as long as you can explain it, I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. There's a dog. Sorry, everyone. I hope the dog doesn't bark too much tonight. Uh, last time we recorded, she was right beside me on the floor the whole time. Didn't make a peep. Right. This well, that's because your kids were gone. Um, yeah, but kids are upstairs and I, yeah, it's true. She, they're, they're up two floors up. Dog is right above me, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Your house is crazy. It's a madhouse over there. It's a madhouse half the time. Yeah. Um, where are we? So yeah, they, Tara really wants to kill Dwight. Uh, she's ready to do it, but they won't let her because, you know, admittedly Dwight could, is definitely still a help to them, right? He's, he's the, the, the sanctuary doesn't know that really he's defected yet. Yeah. I mean, as a general rule, live people are a little more helpful than dead people. That's true. I mean, um, but general rule. You know, and this, this is a show about zombies, though. Undead people can be helpful, too. I mean, look at how we met Michonne, right? She had two zombies that were carrying backpacks. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, take them as herd animals. Nobody does that anymore. I don't know why they don't use the zombies as herd animals anymore. But they can be helpful. But generally speaking, living people more helpful than dead people. Although living people tend to eat, which we have uh, that coming up later in the episode. Yeah, okay. Well, they leave Dwight alive for now. We cut over to the hilltop. We see people working, going about their day. Uh, Morgan and Henry are sitting on a log watching the prisoners. I think they're on official prisoner watch. And Carol comes to relieve Morgan, but he won't go. Uh, And then Jared, you know, one of the savior prisoners in there, he pipes up and says the kid is creepy, so he should leave. (laughs) Poor Henry. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think he's that creepy. Um, and he also mentions that the saviors are coming and that they don't want to be there when they do. He's pretty much saying they're coming to get us and things are not going to be fun when they arrive. So you guys might want to take off. But then Henry pipes up and he asks, which of you killed my brother? And I got to say, I thought little Mason Lintz did a great job here delivering that line. It was a good line. It was a good line. And he, he, he nailed it. Like he really nailed the line. I... I could hear the anger in his voice and, and I totally believed he, you know, he meant, he meant it when he said it. Yeah. So I, I agree. Uh, I, I enjoyed that. Um, but anyways, Henry leaves and Morgan asks Carol why they won't tell him. And he's referring to why they won't tell him who actually killed his brother. And she says that because he's a child. <laughs> right. And all I could think is, uh, it was funny to see Carol protecting a child for once. 
Oh, because everybody's flip-flopping all over the fucking place in this show, so why not Carol flip-flopping and being the child savior? Yeah, she's the child savior. While this is all going on, we have Maggie, who's looking on from a distance, just sort of surveying her hilltop kingdom. Mm-hmm. So we go to Negan, and he is sitting in his office, and Eugene is there, and he's telling Eugene that he's rather disappointed that Father Gabe and Dr. Carson have escaped. Eugene, of course, denies knowing anything about how they got out, even though it was kind of his idea. And Negan says, you know, they'll be caught. And when they are, he'll get the whole story story out of them, which is his way of, I think, threatening or, or f- trying to frighten Eugene into coming clean. Um, but it doesn't work. Eugene tries to change the subject and asks about Alexandria, to which Negan wonders why he cares after what the Alexandrians did to Eugene. Well, that's because he lived with them for a long time. Have a little compassion for humanity, man. Well, I... Of course he cares. You know, you can tell him just because, uh, you know, he might have switched sides, but it doesn't mean he stopped caring about those people. Well, it kind of does, I think. I mean, it, wow. the way Negan sees things, you know, he he needs Eugene to be on his side. And I agree with you. Eugene probably thinks about them a lot and and has some feelings towards them, but... You or Negan's just making sure that he's not getting any bright ideas of of going off on his own, heading back. Oh no, he's a uh, he's definitely on uh, on side Negan because uh, that's his best chance of survival at this point, and that's what uh, Eugene is all about: his best chance of survival. Yeah, no, hundred percent. But I think Negan is just making sure that he's, you know, he, he Negan is going to the extreme to make sure that Eugene remembers sort of his place there. Right. Right. And you, and you know what I noticed in this scene? What'd you notice? The table is no longer chewed up. Remember when we first saw this table, it was chewed up by, uh, by Lucille? Yeah. The table's healed so for they, some reason. they get a new table? I guess they got a new table. Maybe he's sitting at the other end of the table and he doesn't usually sit at that end. Yeah, it could be. Or it's a different room. <laughs> you know, if I was, uh, if I was sitting at a table that I chewed up with a bat with barbed wire wrapped around it in one particular spot. Yeah. I'd always sit at that spot. Well, that does sort of feel like your spot at that point. Yeah, that's my spot. Okay. I bang the shit out of this spot. This is my spot. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. They must have got a new table and he hasn't he hasn't uh, banged the crap out of it yet. Um, Negan now tells Eugene that he is going to be in charge of his own outpost. Nice. Which is going to be the bullet factory. So he ah. is going to be making bullets. Negan says he needs the ammo to deal with Rick and his merry band of pricks. And uh, Eugene then sort of questions the idea of killing them instead of saving them. But Negan responds that the bullets are still a last resort. Either way, even if we're saving them, we still are going to need bullets. So yeah, get to work, Mr. Bullet. Rick and the pricks, eh? <laughs> Rick and his merry band of pricks. Yeah. Rick and the That's pricks. a band. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) For sure. All right. So we go back over to Father Gabe and Carson. They are now in this house that they found. Gabe is hanging around, sort of waiting. He can't really see much. Carson comes in and says the house is clear so far. And he mentions that they were lucky to find this place, but Father Gabe says luck has nothing to do with it. God led them there, I guess. And then Carson opens another door and finds a zombie handcuffed to a bed with a plastic bag over its head. So, And a bunch of pills everywhere. That's right. A bunch of pills everywhere. That guy really wanted to commit suicide, not in a smart way. 
well, plastic bag over his head. Well, there pills. was a gun in his belt, right? Yeah. Like if you, there's a, it's a zombie apocalypse. Everybody knows. Take out the brain pan. Why would you take some pills and then put a bag over your head? Dumbass. Yeah. And handcuff yourself to the bed so you're actually stuck there after. Yeah. You're just becoming part of the problem. I guess so. What did you think about this house in general? There was a lot of stuff in there, including um, a whole bunch of radio equipment because that guy who, you know, killed himself in the worst possible way must have been a ham radio operator. Yeah, this was a, uh, I don't know, it looked like a fun shack. Like it's, it's, I don't know if it was his actual house or whether it was just a garage, but it looked like it was a, a bit of a shack with a whole bunch of old radio equipment in it. Well, that's okay. It's it the guy's ham radio shack. Oh, there you go. Radio shack. Good idea. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I wasn't even going there. No. That's awesome. Works out for me. Okay, ha- good. Ham radio shack. I thought this place was cool. I would like to, uh, I would like to hang out there for a weekend. I thought it was pretty cool too. I mean, the radio equipment could be. Uh, useful in some way, you would think. Uh, and it just looked like there was a lot of other stuff in there. So who knows? Who knows what they could find yeah. in this place? In an ideal world. Like I wouldn't want to hang out there for a weekend with a dead guy in the bedroom, you know, handcuffed uh, to the to the bed. True. That is a, that's, that's a mood killer. Like it's just, it's, it's a, and a deal breaker. Yeah. Right. But uh, I think in its prime, this looks like a fun place to hang out. Uh, it kind of does. Yeah, I think so. Just listen to the police scanner all day. Oh God, not that. No, talk to, talk to people, actual human beings around the world. Don't listen to the police scanner. That's a mistake. That's a mistake. Okay. Talk to human beings around the world. Good, good plan. Uh, Daryl, we go back to that group. He's looking at a map, deciding which way to go. And Dwight pipes in and says, there's a stretch of swamp that they can go through because Negan won't send his people there. It's too dangerous. That sounds dangerous. Negan's people will be everywhere else, but not in the swamp. So we got to go there. We got to go to the, we got, we have to make a beeline for the worst place possible. Absolutely. Because at least there will be, there'll be all kinds of danger, but at least there won't be the enemy. Yeah. We could all get a, you know, a bag of straws. Everybody take a straw Mm -hmm. and then go under the water in the swamp and live there. Sure. (laughs) Breathe through straws. Tara, she questions the idea why they should trust Dwight. Um, and he says that he chose his side and this is it. If he goes back to Negan, he'll be killed. So everyone kind of agrees and they decide to take the swamp route. That's plausible. Yeah, I guess so. It's, um, sounds pretty dangerous and we'll get into the swamp when we get there. First, we go over to see Maggie. She's in her office with baby Gracie, right? Yep. Must be baby Gracie. Babies on TV are awesome. Yeah. Well, They're always quiet and, oh, yeah. you know, you can put them in the crib and then you can get your, get some work done. <laughs> You've tried that, right? It doesn't, it doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, having a, uh, a, what, a year old, maybe 16 months old, month old, mm-hmm. put them in the, in a, in a crib or a playpen right next to your, uh, your desk and try and get some work done. I'll, I'll do that next time I have a year old in the house. No, but you've tried that in the past. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> it, it doesn't work. So I guess and this is babies on TV. I remember watching, uh, I forget the show I was watching, but they got up, they were making eggs, uh, they had coffee, and then they looked at each other and said, okay, the baby's going to get up soon. It's like, bullshit. That baby's <laughs> up first and you're going to, you know, you're not going to make, eggs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure there are people out there that 
exist in a in a situation where their kid sleeps longer than they do. No. No. All right. Maybe not. I mean, uh, I, I mean, Jasper's asleep right now, but he's gonna he's gonna be up before we are in you, the morning. And you wish you were asleep right now, probably. Uh, no, not really. I slept okay last night. Oh, good. All right. It's exciting. Anyhow, uh, Maggie's there with baby Gracie. Diane comes in and says that they have to cut rations by another third. And Maggie wants to know if that includes the prisoners. And she says, nope, it's even worse if we include the prisoners. So they're running out of food. They are running out of food. They got, they went through those turnips rather quickly. It does feel like they went through the turnips rather quickly. Um, we quickly go over to Dr. Carson. He finds, or he picks up the gun on the zombie's body. Uh, and they find, you know, they start looking through the medicine on the ground and they find that it's a bunch of antibiotics and it's exactly what Father Gabe needs. Nice. So that is nice. That's good for him. Uh, Daryl and them are walking along. Dwight is saying that everything he did was for Sherry and he hopes she's still out here somewhere. And then they arrive at the swamp. And so the main group sort of wade into the swamp to clear a path, except for Tara, who hangs back to watch out for the rest of the people. Yeah. Uh, we've all seen Stand By Me, I assume. Well, I know I have. And yeah, it's a pretty popular movie. Don't wade into a swamp. You're going to get a leech on your penis. <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. TV and teaches you important lessons or movies in, as well. And that's like the last place you want a leech, really? No. Will Wheaton did not look pleased about that whole situation. <laughs> no, he did not. Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> so, yeah. I've, basically, ever since I've seen that, since I saw that movie, I've stayed out of swamps. You know, leeches, this is Daryl Dixon we're talking about, though. Leeches don't attach themselves to Daryl Dixon's penis. Daryl Dixon's penis attaches itself to leeches. Yeah, it's all, it's all about intent. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I went in a lot of swamps as a kid, and I got some leeches. Never yeah. in such a sensitive area, but on other parts of me. You were lucky. You were lucky you weren't in a script on a movie. Yeah, because if, so. if if that movie if that was scripted and there were cameras rolling, that would have been a different story. It really would have been. Uh, all right. Well, we go to a commercial break, and when we come back, we are back with Maggie. She comes to see the prisoners, and Gregory, of course, is still in there, and he pipes up and he says he he's been good and he wants to be let out, but Maggie says he has to stay in. And then uh, I think his name is Alden steps up, another one of the prisoners. I thought it was Aiden, but I looked him up and it's Alden. And he says that, you know, he re reiterates they've been good and that they don't have to be the enemy, which he's kind of like, yeah, yes, you are. <laughs> it's very simple. But he's so good looking. Oh, I know. Right? How can somebody that good looking be an enemy of anybody? Well, you know, she's not ready to accept his uh, hunky good looks quite yet. Uh, but he asks for some time outside the pen for their good behavior. And Maggie says, no, she doesn't have the resources. And on top of that, we're cutting off your rations because her people have to come first with the food. So I can tell you why that's a mistake. Sure. Go right ahead. The, uh, the only thing that is, uh, really separating humans from, uh, beasts mm -hmm. is missing three meals. Okay. So, uh, by taking people that are docile in a pen that is questionable at best and then starving them for a few days 
is a mistake because they will riot and they will try and get out of that pen. There's nothing that you can do to stop that from happening. Because they're hungry. They know they're starving. Because they're hungry and they will do what they need to do to survive because at that point it's, uh, it's do or die. Right. Literally. So they're going to do something. Mm Mm-hmm. So luckily it doesn't come to that, but, uh, yeah, not feeding prisoners in this situation, huge mistake. So all you have to do is feed them just enough to keep them content, right? But no, well, barely alive. It's fine. Right. You don't have to give them much. You can't not feed them. You got to feed them something. Of course. You know, raw turnips is bad, but they'll eat them eventually. If they're hungry enough, they'll eat them. Of course. Yeah. Most animals will. Cats will not. If you leave a bowl of food out and the cat won't eat it and you say she'll eat eventually. I think if she won't, I think it might depend on the cat. I mean, not necessarily cats will starve themselves. And if they don't have uh, food within a, a couple of days, uh, their whole system will shut down and they will die. So the cat will like your average house cat will actually starve itself to death, then eat food. It doesn't like. Yes. Fucking cats. <laughs> I know. They're freaking nuts. I, I, that happened to a friend's cat. Uh, he was boarded at another friend's and uh, who had another cat. And he assumed that this cat was eating when it wasn't. And it didn't eat for like three days. And then it got sick and there was nothing they could do. They could do. The vet couldn't do anything. It's like, no, cat won't eat. Cat died. Good God. I, I like cats. stupid. I've had cats. I like cats. I mean, I'm super allergic to them now, but, uh, but that's just so stupid. <laughs> like, oh, cats. Yeah. They're, they're suicidal at best. On a like good if, day. If they get their head stuck in something, they will pull and pull and pull and pull and pull until they die. Well, again, I can understand that because they're going to die anyways. They might as well try something. <laughs> right. But not eating like the food is right there. I know you don't like it, but Jesus, just have one bite. You'll stay alive. A dog will do it, a human will do it, a bear will do it, a mm-hmm. cat will die. All right. Anyway, these people are people, and uh, if you don't feed them in a couple of days, they're going to riot. Yes. Like, they're going to they're gonna try and get through that barbed wire fence, which is fucking questionable at best. Oh my anyway. God. It looks like anyone could just sort of step through it. However, Maggie yeah, decides it's, that- uh, Yeah, that, that, that uh, situation is held together by uh, good intent, and that's it. Well, that's by, why, of the prisoners. That, yeah, that's why Morgan and Henry are sitting there, to make sure no one just steps through the fence. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> don't Mag- cross that line. Maggie is cutting off their food. I'm going to count to three. <laughs> right. We cut over to the swamp again. They're wading through. Rosita is in there with them, and she has to fight off a water zombie, which is kind of gross and cool. Uh, Daryl and Sadiq come through to a whole bunch of zombies that rise up out of the water and they briefly consider going around another way, but then nope, they decide to clear them out. So they just lunge around and stab those zombies in the head. Gross and disgusting. And I'm sure it was very unpleasant. Yeah, probably. And ridiculously dangerous, I think, to be honest. Like if there are zombies under that water, you can't see them until you've stepped on them if they don't emerge, right? So yeah, they're lurking, fuckers. It does not seem like a good idea in any way. Uh, we go back to the shore and Tara notices some zombies in the forest coming through to them. So she makes Dwight go and help her kill them. Uh, but before we see that going on, we cut over to uh, Gabe and Carson again. Gabe's fever is now broken, but his eyesight is still bad. 
he's taking the medicine, I guess. Uh, and we got a Gabe's eye view of the uh, of the bad eyesight. That's right, Gabe's eye view. I like that. So yeah, he he's look, looks like he's looking through a rectum. <laughs> well, maybe that's what it's like when your eyeballs are infected. I don't know. <laughs> I hope not, because that means you're looking out through a rectum, <laughs> and <laughs> that's just not. Good. It's marginally better than looking in through it. <laughs> oh God, that's a tough call. Yeah, see? <laughs> that's a really tough call. <laughs> Anyways, so he's got rectum eyes. Uh, and that's a song. Yeah. <laughs> we got a band and a song now. We're good. <laughs> um, Carson says he's going to probably end up with permanent eye damage, which is bad. But Father Gabe says he's going to live and he's letting God lead the way. So being alive is good. Uh, now he knocks this, as he's flailing his arms around, gesticulating, he knocks a large piggy bank off the table and inside they find a map to the hilltop and some car keys. Handy. Very, very handy. And again, God is leading the way for them. Oh, it's a, and it had a ham radio in, uh, stenciled on the side of the, uh, of the the boar bank, because it's a little big for a biggie bank, so okay. I'd like to think of it as a boar bank or a hog bank, maybe. Yeah, I think it said I heart ham radio on it, which is fine. Nice. <laughs> nice big piece of ham, like a pig. Right. That's, yeah. That'd be really kind of disturbing to, you know, tattoo on a pig. I heart ham radio? <laughs> yeah, I heart ham or I love ham or something like that. That would just be really insulting. It really would. You don't tattoo that on a pig. They, they practice tattoos on pigs, you know. Really? Like like tattoo artists, when they practice, they practice on pigs. Really? And yeah. pig, pigs are okay with that? Wow, oh, it's a pig. What, what, you feed it a bunch of how banana you, peels and a couple of carrots and it's happy. How do you keep it still? I don't know. It's, <laughs> I, just, I heard that. All right. Tattoo artists out there, can you confirm that this is true or not? Because I'm not so sure I believe it. Well, what are you going to practice on your Aunt Bessie while she's asleep? I don't know. Why can't they create some sort of fake synthetic skin that you practice on? Why does it have to be a living animal? Well, maybe they just practice on pig skin, right? So, like a sheet of pig skin. Is that better or worse? No, that's better. Okay. So at least the pig is dead and you're not embarrassing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm worried about embarrassing the pig. Uh, good stuff. I don't know where we are anymore. Oh, we go back to Tara <laughs> and Tara is making, not really helping Dwight. She's forcing Dwight to kill all the zombies while she points her gun at him. And yeah, cause that's motivational. It is. You, but we kind of get an idea where this is going. He, uh, as they're walking around, he actually apologizes for killing Denise says he said he, uh, he doesn't expect her to forgive him, but he really is sorry about it. It's an accident. Yeah, that's right. He was aiming for somebody else, but yeah, he, you know, just she got in the way. I got bad aim. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Now Tara tells Dwight she's well. She goes to kill Dwight basically, and they have a quick conversation. But he's kind of half hiding behind a tree, and she pulls the trigger and misses, hits the tree. Uh, Dwight ducks behind it and runs away. So she pulled the trigger. So she was prepared to kill him. She was not joking around when she said she wants to kill Dwight. Yeah. She chases him until they come out into a bit of a clearing in the woods. She has her gun pointed at his head. And just before pulling the trigger the second time, they have to hide because they hear that group of saviors approaching. Hmm. So uh, she pulled the trigger. She chased. She hesitated after that and then lost her chance. 
we go back over to uh, Carson and Gabe, and they're going to the garage to find the car that the you know that uh, is for the keys they found. And Father Gabe gets a glimpse of a sign because he can't see out that rectum very well, and the sign says "Danger Traps in Yard." And at this point, Dr. Carson has kind of walked ahead a little bit. He tries to warn him, but Carson gets his leg stuck in a bear trap. Uh, I never want to get my leg stuck in a bear trap. I mean, I can think of worse things, but that sounds pretty painful. Yeah, and you, it breaks your leg because you don't have a, uh, yeah, it's just, it's bad news all around. Does it actually break your leg or do those teeth just pierce the skin? Oh, they do all kinds of damage. Like there's, they pierce the skin and I think our legs are in a, are weak enough that uh, it would break the bone. Just the snapping clothes would break your snapping, shin? Oh. Yeah, it's, and then trap you there, and then you got to try and get away, and usually they're chained down, which explains the uh, the zombies with chains. Right. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, pretty unpleasant and sounding. really, bear traps are pretty obvious too, so I'm not sure how he got caught in a bear trap, because you're walking along and it's like, oh shit, that looks like a bear trap, and then... Well, I don't know. It. Long grass. No one's cut the cut the weeds in a long time, so he might not have seen it. Uh, but he's got he goes down, and zombies are approaching. Two of them get stuck in bear traps, so that's lucky for him. But he does have to fight off one or two. He shoots one off uh, of himself, and then Father Gabe, who can't see anything, picks up a gun, more or less aims it towards. Uh, the zombie who's on top of Dr. Carson and closes his eyes and takes a blind shot at the zombie on top of him and manages to hit it. Yeah, that's that's what I would do in that situation because you know why? Why? Because that's exactly what Han Solo did. Oh, that's exactly what I thought. This reminded <laughs> me of Han Solo shooting the Sarlacc tentacle when it was pulling Lando down into the pit. Yeah, because if Han Solo can do it, it's worth trying. So this is Father Gabe's Han Solo moment. And Han Solo is a lucky guy. I'm not going to say he used the force because he's not a force user, but he's a lucky guy and hit that tentacle. Okay, we won't have this discussion again. No, we don't need to. He's a lucky guy at the very least. Yes, absolutely. He's a lucky guy. That's a character You know what the luckiest thing about Han Solo is? What? He made friends with Chewbacca. That is pretty lucky. That's pretty lucky. Because Chewbacca's awesome. He's very awesome. I love Chewie. Um... Father Gabe, though, credits his luck to God again. Well, the force, you mean? Because that's essentially what God is in Star Wars. Right? I guess so. The, the, the thing that permeates all living things mm-hmm. and uh, helps guide. Yeah. Okay. So what are you, you're saying that Han Solo doesn't use the force, but uh, Father Gabriel did in this universe, which is God. Uh, I'm saying that Father Gabriel credited his good luck. To the influence of God. Oh, I see. Okay, so you're staying on that side of the argument. That's fine. Mm-hmm. And I good. and I uh, contest. I don't contest. I I still hold that Han Solo does not use the Force. Anyways, but he wielded a he started a uh, a lightsaber to cut open the tauntaun. You can turn. You need the Force to use a lightsaber. I don't need to be a chef to use a knife. Like, it's, it, yeah, but it's not a friggin' laser knife. It could be. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right? Uh, it's, it's, Han Solo has a much better chance of cutting his own leg off with a lightsaber, but I think point it in the right direction, press the button, he can do that without being a force user. I'm pretty sure you need to have, uh, you need to have, you'd be 
strong in the force in order to excite those kyber crystals into a into some kind of lightsaber no the lightsaber is simply a tool the a force user can wield it in an appropriate way to deflect blaster bolts to have a proper lightsaber fight with it like han couldn't do any of that stuff all right we need a ruling somebody (laughs) write in and let us know because i haven't read all the books you've read more of the books than i have probably i don't know about that I'm, i'm i have a feeling this has come up well i know this has come up on here before and people have written in so ah it's, I need a ruling, but I want uh, I want a bibliography or I want cited references. Oh, okay. That'll help, yeah. That's a good that idea. That will help greatly because I'll read that book. Absolutely. If you can cite a book, I will read it. Okay. We'll save that for later. Uh, we go back to Tara and Dwight. They're still in hiding and she's pointing, his, pointing her gun at them while they hide. The saviors are passing by and Dwight jumps up and reveals himself. And he tells them that he was ambushed. He spent the night hiding. He says uh, he just came down from the swamp and nobody is there. And then he leaves the saviors away from the Alexandrians. Saving everybody, including himself. Saving, uh, that's right. Everybody, including himself. Tara turns around and Rosita's there. Apparently she witnessed this as well. So both of them saw it. And uh, we cut over to Daryl scolding Tara for not just waiting. He's pissed that Dwight could be selling them out right now. Uh, Rosita and Tara say that, you know, no, Dwight actually did save them. And Daryl's kind of all worked up and in a bit of a rage, but he notices Judith is watching him, so he calms down. Yeah, don't kill anybody while the baby's watching. No, don't do that. And uh, then he leads them all into the swamp, because I guess it's clear now. Uh, So Dwight... He kind of, I mean, it seems like he redeemed himself in Tara's eyes a little bit because he did, in fact, save them here. Absolutely. Which means that uh, his earlier statement of, I can't go back because they'll kill me, is complete and utter utter bullshit. Well, if he can't go back because they'll kill me if Negan knows that I'm with you guys now, which technically he doesn't yet, I guess. Right. So it's only sort of bullshit. It's only sort of bullshit. The assumption is that Negan would eventually find out that Dwight has defected to the other side. But at this point, he doesn't really, Negan doesn't know that yet. But anyways, Dwight, he made good. Like he came through and he saved these people. He led those saviors away. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Carson and Gabe, they're getting set in the car. And, uh, you know, I guess Carson's leg is okay. Gabe was able to get him out of that bear trap. Um, Just as they're about to back out, though, some saviors show up. So... They're captured. Yeah, I think Gabe Gabe offered to drive, mm-hmm. and I think that probably would have been a good idea. You think so? So it's either the guy who can't see or the guy who has no leg. Yeah, it's a toss up. That's for sure. But uh, no, you know what I'm they need, sh- you know what they really it, it need. It could to have do. been a joint effort. Yeah, turn yeah. left, turn right. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like uh, rally racing. You put Father Gabe in the seat first, and then Doctor Carson sits on his lap and operates the steering wheel. And oh, yeah. looks where they're going, and Father Gabe operates the pedals. Kind of like a sexy tandem car ride. I don't know how sexy it is, but yeah, that's exactly the idea. Well, yeah. Depends how you define sexy. And if you define well, sexy that way. you know, how they feel about the whole thing. Sure. <laughs> it's either sexy or awkward. One of the two. <laughs> or maybe both. I don't know. Yeah. I've never been in that situation, really. I'm sort of surprised. <laughs> For you in the 90s. Well, you mean... Yeah, I've worked the pedals while somebody else steered the car, but I wasn't beside them, not in their lap. (laughs) Fair enough. 
Um, the saviors show up, so they can't go anywhere. And uh, the saviors load them into the back of a pickup truck. Gabe is doing all right. He says God is still leading the way, but Carson tries to grab one of the saviors' guns, but another one shoots him. So, well, I knew Carson was going to die. You knew that too, right? Well, I wasn't really thinking about it, but yeah, now that when I look back, it's fairly obvious that he was going to die. Well, because for me, it was, uh, you know, Gabe uh, saying, you know, uh, God is is guiding us. God is guiding us. God is guiding us. See, God is guiding us. See, God is guiding us. Everything is working out in their favor. Yep. And as soon as that attitude uh, goes over uh, to Dr. Carson, he's got to die. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what happened was Dr. Carson said, you know what? You might be right about this God thing. And then tries something stupid. Yeah. And he gets shot in the chest. So the saviors ditch him out the back of the truck, leave him there. And they drive away with Father Gabe crying in despair. Right. Because he knows that God is helping, but also doesn't want them to be idiots. Right. Well, it's too bad because this is another doctor they've just killed. Well, that's okay. We get a spare. We do have a spare. Another doctor keeps showing up and we lose the one before. So, Yeah, they keep dying. We keep getting more. That's right. I don't know where they keep coming from. They just keep showing up. Uh, Daryl and the gang, they arrive at the hilltop and we get a slow motion arrival montage kind of. And it's obvious that they're telling Carol and Maggie and Enid that Carl is dead, which none of them know, but they do now. Obviously, none of them look very happy, a lot of sadness, but for me, Enid collapsing to her knees and just weeping was, I don't know, I think especially heartbreaking for some reason. Yeah, well, she loved, uh, she loved Carl. They were, uh, they were going to be happily ever after. Yeah, they, they were kind of, and with the music and how you didn't really hear anything except the music, and, you know, we ended up with a wide shot of... Maggie hugging her as they both kind of knelt in the dirt and it was it was really heartbreaking I thought and I felt bad but kudos to Caitlin Nacon for the silent acting job she did there yeah it was really well done you know her just breaking down so that's sad um we get a slow fade to prisoner watch with Morgan Henry and Carol again Henry asks about how Carl died and Carol says that he was helping a stranger so you know, at least he was trying to do the right thing. But then uh, Morgan stands up and tells Henry that his brother was killed by Gavin, the guy that Henry killed, which yep. is not true. No, of course not. But that's what you tell somebody because then it, you know, where does your anger go from there? Right. Gavin. Inward. Yeah. The answer's inward. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Great. That's better, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, Ben was killed by Jared, not Gavin. But now Henry can, I guess, get a certain amount of peace knowing that he's already gotten his revenge for killing the person who apparently killed his brother. Right. Um, Sadiq comes to Maggie and he thanks her for the hospitality she's showing them. And he says that if they have an infirmary, uh, he wants to help out because he has medical experience. He's going to go work there. Um, which is nice. I mean, Sadiq yeah. seems like the kind of guy who wants to pull his weight no matter where he goes. Yeah. Finally, now we get over to Eugene making bullets. So he has set up shop in his outpost and Frankie, one of Negan's wives comes to him. She's trying to be nice, but he gives her a hard time for not having gloves and eye protection on. 
oh, he turns into the biggest dick in the world. Like, he's such a jerk. Like, he goes out of his way to be a jerk. It's like, you can take my little dinner order. Yeah. And, you know, in a little while, my uh, I'm going to get sweaty so you can mop my brow. Yeah. Like, I would have hit him with a sledgehammer. Or at least a, a solid slap across the face. Nah, that's not going to do any good. I don't know. Eugene's kind of a wimp. I think it would smarten him up a little bit. I don't know. Anybody with a haircut like that can take a slap. Well, yeah, you might be right. <laughs> uh, but he's, he is a total dick to her. And you can see that she's, she, I feel like she genuinely was trying to be nice. Uh, but you can see that she realizes that he's just an ass. Yeah. I mean, obviously she was hitting on him. Right? <laughs> I don't know, man. I think she just wanted to be nice to somebody and, and maybe, you know, she's in a crappy situation too. So maybe you can find a friend. Yeah. I'm just saying. Uh, but Negan comes in and he hauls in Father Gabriel. So they're back now. Uh, says Father Gabe told him how they escaped. And we are, of course, supposed to believe that, uh-oh, Eugene is in trouble. But Gabe says that it was Carson got them out and does not implicate Eugene in the plan at all. Man, that Carson guy. Well, he's dead, so you... Yeah, they keep blaming dead people. Well, it's a good... You know, if you're going to blame somebody for a lie, you might as well blame the dead guy. Yeah. I, I don't know. This this episode, if it taught us anything, it's that lies make things better. Mm. Right? Because they will. it'll save the day. All you need is a well well-crafted lie and blame a dead person for something and everything will be all right. Yeah, for now, for now. Um, anyways, uh, Negan says to put him to work, referring to Father Gabe, sorting out bullet casings. And in what reminded me of another Star Wars scene, uh, Eugene mentions that it's going to take a few more days to make any significant supply of bullets, but Negan says, nope, that's not going to work. We don't have the time. And uh, this reminded me of... Um, Darth Vader arriving on the Death Star and that guy saying, you know, we're behind schedule. The Emperor puts unrealistic demands on us. And then Darth Vader says the Emperor is coming and the guy says, we'll double, double our efforts. Remember that yep. guy? This kind of reminded me of that. Negan shows up and Eugene's like, it's going to take longer. And Negan says, uh, nope, don't have the time for that. Get her done. Yeah, but Eugene doesn't agree to it, right? The guy in the Death Star, that's a bad project manager. That's awful. That's like, you know, saying, yeah, well, uh, no problem. We'll make it happen faster. <laughs> you know, all the people in sh that are actually doing the work, they're going to lynch that guy. Well, I agree with you. It's a bad It's a bad decision. I'm just saying this reminded me of that. The difference yeah. is Eugene comes up with an alternate idea. So what does that make? Negan, Darth Vader, and Lucille the Emperor? Yeah, maybe. Lucille's, All right. Lucille is calling the shots. Um, Eugene is, Eugene's idea is to start launching pieces of zombies, like with trebuchets, over the walls of Hilltop. He says undead arms, legs, heads, big piles of guts. Uh, and he says that this would be some really traumatic psychops. Yeah. So You could also, uh, trebuchets are good for run, launching rocks, too. Sure. Rocks or big piles of guts. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, you don't have to go down psychological warfare. I mean, you can go down actual warfare. Right. I know. Sh shoot boulders at people, right? Yeah. Or you don't even, like, well, you and I made that uh, war wolf trebuchet that was only like six feet high. Uh-huh. Uh, that would launch a tennis ball, right? Yep. You light that tennis ball on fire, 
you got yourself a a little war going on there. Throwing <laughs> tennis balls in there that are all on fire. Something's going to catch. A rather dangerous weapon. Yeah, exactly. Douse it in gasoline, light it on fire, and send it over the wall. Or you could throw it. I mean, really, honestly, that trebuchet that was, you know, a few feet high. It threw, we got 100 feet out of that thing, right? A golf ball, 100 a feet. A golf yeah. ball, 100 feet. So you could probably throw a tennis ball as far. You know, you put on a mitt, light it on fire, and throw it. They got grenades. They don't need a trebuchet. What the... F- Anyway, okay, psychological warfare. They could just hurl buckets of stuff. They like, could. They don't need to... Anyway. Anyways, the point I think here... Eugene's an idiot. Well, this is leading somewhere. The point here is that Eugene came up with this idea. I, I don't know if this... We're supposed to believe this was kind of an off the top of his head, like panic moment, you know? And he's like, uh, we aren't going to have bullets, so why don't we start chucking arms and legs at people? Um, but Negan hears this... And he seems to get a big idea out of this and basically says, uh, Eugene, you saved the day once again. And um, we go over to Maggie. She comes down to the hilltop prisoners again. Most of them cower away from the fence this time. And she's obviously changed her mind because she says that the prisoners will be taken out in pairs for exercise, work, and medical attention if necessary. And she says you'll be getting one quarter rations, same as everybody else. What's a ration? What How much is a ration? Well, it's a quarter of what you would normally be eating, whatever that is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, they decide how much everyone gets per day for food, and then they split that in four, and uh, that's now how much you get every day. Okay. Quarter of a half a pizza. Quarter of a half a pizza. Sure. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) That's how much you get a day. All right. Um, Gregory suggests that they should evacuate because the saviors are coming. And in, I think, what is my favorite moment of the episode, Gregory says to her, Margaret, how can we win? And Maggie looks around and she says, uh, look around, Gregory. How can we lose? And she walks away. Somebody yells, open the gates, it's Rick. But if we don't see Rick come in yet, so we'll Hooray! see. We'll probably see that next week. But um, as she's walking away, I think just the slightest, slightest smile appears on Maggie's face. It's almost imperceptible, but I, th- I think it's there. And the reason I actually really, really like this, this little scene is because of Maggie's line. Look around, Gregory, how can we lose? I think that line is loaded with meaning. Think so? Yeah, because you can take it a couple of ways. Like, I think, you know, you can think of it as like, look around at everything we're doing. We're so prepared. How can we lose? You know, we're doing all the right things. Or, or you can think of it as like, look around at all these people. We can't let them down. Losing is not an option. Right? That kind of thing. And I just think it's a, it's a really, really beautiful line. And I think Lauren Cohen delivered it well. And I like the little hint of a smile. It, it makes you feel like her character is really stepping up, becoming a leader, even more than she already was. And everything about this little bit, uh, I really liked in an episode that we'll get to in a minute. Otherwise I found pretty underwhelming. Right. So that was my favorite bit. Um, before we're done here, we go back to Negan at the sanctuary and he's got a few zombies chained to a fence and he's explaining his big idea to his group of people. So first he starts by kind of explaining how getting bit works. (laughs) You get bit and you get to join the club of the undead. 
Uh, and he says, we can use this to our advantage. And then he proceeds to get Lucille all covered in zombie gore. From Much one... like you would uh, cover a, an ear of corn in butter. Well, that's a pretty good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only a little slightly less delicious. Slightly. Uh, now his idea is to coat their weapons with zombie guts, making them way more deadly when they attack the hilltop and essentially poisoning the weapons. So if you shoot an arrow at somebody or you shoot a bullet at someone, it hits them, goes inside and they have the zombie guts, you know, in their bloodstream now. Um, Dwight shows up, so he's back and he's listening to this. So we know Mr. Turncoat Dwight actually now knows what Negan's plan is. I figure that's going to be important. And Negan says that the hilltop is going to learn to toe the line, dead or alive, or some kind of shit in between. <laughs> and that's it. So uh, what do you think of Negan's plan here to poison the weapons? Uh, it seems pretty obvious, and I'm surprised nobody thought of it before now. Yeah. Frankly. I kind of agree with that, but I also think it's a little bit... Um, it, it skirts the line of, of uh, disobeying the rules of the universe. Like, you can smear gut zombie guts all over your body and be fine, but, you know, if you get hit with a gore-soaked arrow, it's going to be worse. And admittedly, it is worse because that arrow is going to puncture the skin. I just feel like the zombie gormiflage feels a little too risky. Or, sorry. I, I don't know. Our skin is uh, designed to keep shit out mm -hmm. of our body, right? Yeah. That's the whole point of the skin is so that we can roll around in the dirt and not get dirt in our bloodstream. It's pretty good at that kind of thing. That's true. So if you had a cut on your arm and you rubbed, you know, zombie intestine on the cut, mm -hmm. that's probably pretty risky behavior. But don't you think like that is the kind of thing that is likely to have happened to everybody by now, just by accident? Uh, well... That and they've all, all have, they're all infected anyway, right? So, uh, getting a little bit of, you know, uh, zombie gore in a hangnail, your body's like, yeah, I got that already. So it's not really a big deal. Sure. But, a, but, but an arrow. getting an arrow into your lung and then that's covered in zombie gore, that's probably a little more serious. Yeah. Probably a little bit more serious. Well, I guess you're right. Um, I'm not too upset about it and I can easily kind of put this in the, uh, suspension of disbelief category, but, um, I do sort of think that, well, we've seen people get pretty covered in gore and probably getting it in their mouth at some point, but. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go licking a zombie. No, no, definitely but, not. You know, and I would only cover myself in gore as a last ditch effort. I wouldn't do it for pleasure. Sure. Or sport. <laughs> I'd probably only do it if my life was in, uh, in jeopardy. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, and, and before everyone emails in, I know I have read the comics. I know where this is going. That's all I'll say. Um, but for the TV show, I wasn't sure they were going to sort of follow the same path. And it seems to me like at this point they are. And I was going to ask if this kind of thing was in the comic. Well, this all at war stuff is, is definitely in the comic. And from what I can tell, it's leading into the same direction as the, as the comic went. Right. So, yeah. Um, 
What did you think uh, of this episode, Jason? I liked it a little more on the second viewing, but overall it didn't do much for me. Did you have a different opinion? It didn't really do much for me. It was kind of one of those uh, middle episodes. Mm -hmm. It was okay. I don't think anything jumped out at me and told me, uh, you know, said that this is horrible, but nothing really struck me as, uh, well, you know, there's a few things here and there that I really liked, but uh, uh, no, it didn't really excite me or it didn't really annoy me either. Okay. Well, I mean, indifference is, is pretty bad usually, but uh, I, I hate- Well, you can't have everything all the time, right? You can't, you know, if you accent everything, you accent nothing. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, if you have a show like Breaking Bad where every episode is friggin' awesome, almost every episode- you know, then what do you, what do you have at the end of the day? You have a really friggin' awesome show. Yes, you do. Right? So now that we have a show where things are, you know, really good at the, at the peaks and are kind of meh in the middle, it's, uh, makes it more exciting for us. I guess so. Um, I, I hate to use the word filler, uh, but I'm just not sure that we needed to see so much of the journey through the swamp or so much with Father Gabe and, and Dr. Carson um, neither of those storylines really did a lot for me. And I, I just had trouble kind of sticking with them. You know, what's, what's the point? It's two groups of characters on their way somewhere and the hijinks that ensue that isn't particularly interesting. I didn't think, um, Maggie's stuff at Hilltop, uh, was better in my opinion, especially that bit at the end, which I've already said how much I liked. But there just wasn't as much of it. I, at least I didn't feel like there was as much of it. The Morgan, Carol, and Henry scenes, again, not as much, but even they were kind of meh. Like, you know, just giving Henry a, a little bit more information, which wasn't even true. Um, I guess if I had to find something to pull out of this, at least with the Swamp storyline, we kind of had Tara work things out with Dwight in a way. And I do like that they're really trying to solidify Dwight's allegiance to this group once and for all, because I, I, I'm, I don't know how keen I am on, on not sort of knowing what's going on with him or him waffling back and forth. So I'm glad they're solidifying that, but you know, that's not much of a revelation considering how long all that swamp stuff took. I don't think. Yeah. And now, uh, and now Dwight is Tara's new best friend. Dwight is Tara's new best friend. Okay. Yep. <laughs> At least for now. I don't know. Um, so not too much there. The Dr. Carson and Gabe stuff. I mean, is it just me or did that feel pretty much useless? Like what did we, what did we learn from this or, or what was the point just to get Carson dead and that sucks? Well, I think it, uh, it was the trust in God thing. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, you know, Father Gabriel having the belief that God was leading the way and that Dr. Carson was not believing that. And then Dr. Carson believed it, but it got him killed. Uh, I think that was the point of that. Okay. I'm so, not sure why, like overall what that gets us, well, that, but, yeah. uh, I think that was, uh, that, that, that journey and Father Gabriel's belief in, uh, a higher power was the point of that whole storyline. Well, and and I can see that because, you know, and, and that's why I don't like to use the word filler because you don't know exactly what this stuff is leading to. The events in this episode could be important, uh, f you know, important and inform what's coming next in a way. So 
it's hard to judge something without having the full picture, but on its own, it didn't really stand up for me. Um, so Carson is dead. Father Gabe is going blind, which I guess is a huge bummer. Um, but, but again, I don't know sort of what the point of that is. And you're right. It was a bit of a science versus faith journey. You know, one guy believing in God, the other guy, not really until the very end. And then it gets him killed. Um, so you think because he was a doctor, he's the man of science and father gave us a man of faith. I, I, I can't say that definitively, but I feel like that's what was going on here a little bit. Okay. You don't feel that? I mean, Carson well, was. Well, I don't know about the man of science, man of faith thing, but, uh. Well, but see, I think that's kind of as simple as it was here. We had one guy who said God was leading the way and then an, an a skeptic basically who, who had to be convinced of that. Right. And, and for what purpose? I don't know. And now that he was killed at the end, what's the point? Is this testing Father Gabe's faith? Is he going to reject it or is he going to um, grasp onto it even stronger? Again, I don't know, but it yeah. doesn't feel like there was a lot here to kind of give us uh, an indication either way. Um, and then finally, I think you know, the Negan stuff was again, pretty good in this episode, especially the early scene in his office with Eugene. Um, and I gotta say, I think I'm starting to come around to Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan a little bit. You think so? Not all the time. And it has taken a full season and a half for me to really sort of start to feel that way. But I do think more and more scenes with Negan, I'm less opposed to he just he okay. isn't he isn't mr clown negan clowning around sticking his pelvis out the whole time and maybe it's because he's had more sort of one-on-one -on -one interactions and he's not talking in front of a group as much anymore right well i gotta say eugene's starting to bug me really eugene uh, yeah his speech patterns in this episode really kind of annoyed me and as soon as i said that because I, I did say it out loud uh that he's starting to bug me i'm like holy shit Maybe he's going to die. Like they just, they pushed it too far. He's uh -oh. too, he's too Eugene. I don't know. It's, uh, his interaction with, uh, with Negan at the beginning just kind of bugged me. I'm not sure what it is, but it did. I didn't have the normal Eugene enjoyment of the whole situation. That's funny. And then, uh, what? That's funny. Cause you, you used to like Eugene. I was saying. I know this is confusing for me. And that whole interaction with, uh, uh, what's her name? Negan's wife. Uh, that was, um, you know, anyways, her. Yeah. Yeah. What, what an asshole he was. Yeah. Like he didn't have to be an asshole. I mean, he could still be Eugene without being a dick about it. It was but, Frankie, but you're right. He, he was, he was a super dick. Like he, he suddenly gets his own, his own outpost and he becomes a dick. What was his, what was the reason? What do you think was the reason for him being such an ass in that scene? Uh, I don't know. It's his, it's his shop. He's, uh, he's ahead of this outpo outpost now. Asserting his authority. Done. He wants uh, his meal. Uh, and he talks to everybody about what meals they're getting and they're going to have it over in their, uh, their designated break room. And, uh, what was the other one? Motivational cubby. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> like Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> it's well, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't get him being such a dick there either, but it's funny you mentioned Eugene because I thought he was way too Eugene for Eugene at the end of, um, well, earlier this season. Yeah. And, and I don't think it bothered you as much. And now this episode, his speech and all that didn't bother me as much. 
um, as it did you. So it's funny. Yeah, it bugged me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm off Eugene. It really kind of makes me sad because the Armored Pierogi was one of my favorite characters for a long time. Oh, man, the Armored Pierogi, yeah. Well, you know what? He, he, maybe, he, uh, maybe he'll come back around. Maybe. I don't know. I'm kind of off Carol right now, too. I don't know what's going on. I'm trying to think off the top of my head who's my favorite character right now. I might have to land on Enid. Oh, man. Well, she did a great job here. Um, I'm really into Maggie right now. I, yeah. I wish there was more with her. And uh, I do hope we get, you know, more Maggie presence as the season goes on and wraps up. Um, so, anyways, that's uh, yeah. that's that. This episode did not do a ton for me. And that's too bad because last week I thought was a stellar episode. It was. So let's get back to that. Um we need title cards is what we need. Obviously. Give us more title cards and then everything falls into neat OCD, you know, anal retentive sections. I guess that's and, what uh, we need. <laughs> makes it, yeah, it makes me happy. All right. Well, get that anal retentive sectioning going back on and uh, we'll be good. Please. All right. We're going to take a quick break and uh, we will be right back after this. Stay with us. For you, the listeners of The Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial, so you have the opportunity to check out their service. Now, Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from. You can play stuff on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player, you know, whatever you have, and there is definitely something for everybody on there. But uh, Jason, I know you are a big Audible user. Uh, as am I, but you even more so than me. And uh, you've got a book or maybe even a series of books, I don't know, that you want to recommend to everyone to start with. I do. And I actually want to rec- recommend a whole genre of books called Lit RPG. Have I've mentioned that to you before. Basically, it's uh, you take a book and you tell it uh, from the point of view of uh, a, a role-playing game. So the actual story in the book involves gaining levels, putting points into skills, uh, learning things. Uh, and it's actually pretty f- fun because it's like playing a, a role-playing game, but it's, uh, it's in, uh, you know, literary form. Lit RPG. So it's, it's a book written as if it's a role-playing game. You're not actually playing right. anything. You're kind of reading about, uh, characters who are almost like they're in a world that's an RPG. They, they are in a world that's a, that's in an RPG. Now, sometimes they explain it, sometimes they don't, mm-hmm. but uh, some of the books, uh, you know, say that, you know, they're actually playing a video game uh, and they go through, you know, gaining levels or doing what have you. Other books say that they're in this world that is exactly like a role-playing game and they don't explain why they're in this world. It's just they have to gain levels and they put points into skills and they practice things and they learn magic and they get first-level spells and second-level spells. And uh, in particular, a series of books I want to recommend 
starts off with a book called Dungeon Born by Dakota Kraut. And Dungeon Born is a lit RPG series of novels taken from the point of view of a dungeon. So the dungeon is the main character in this story, and it's a lit RPG story. Wow. And so the, the book plays out as the dungeon experiencing characters coming through itself. That's right. The dungeon does things. The dungeon gets stronger and does more, you know, builds more levels, uh, puts in more monsters, uh, you know, comes up with bosses, uh, tries to entice people in. Huh. Yeah. Dungeon born. So, uh, yeah, that's the book I want to recommend. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Uh, if you want to check that out, dungeon born by Dakota Kraut. Uh, you can down that, download that as a free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash the talking dead. And again, that's audibletrial.com slash the talking dead. You can get a free audiobook and a free 30 day trial. We thank Audible for supporting the podcast. Holy crap. Did you see that? All right, it is time for this week's episode of Holy Crap, Did You See That? And it's a it's a rather short one. Um, not a lot of people, I don't think, were inclined to send in their Holy Crap moments for this episode. I think the general reaction to this episode was um, far more negative amongst the general public than, than you and I. Really? We, we were sort of Luke, lukewarm or maybe Luke cold on it. <laughs> But uh, a lot of people really, really didn't like this one, so they may not have just been inclined to do it. But we do have a few, and our first one here is a call from Sam in Decatur, Georgia, and I think he will kind of set the tone. Hey there, Chris and Jason. This is Sam from Decatur, Georgia. And my holy crap, did you see that moment this week is not necessarily a moment from the show. Um Holy crap, did you see that? If somebody were asking me that question, the answer would be probably fucking not because I turned the episode off at like 9.20 or something like that. Uh, I was so bored in the first 20 minutes that I turned off the episode and kicked up an episode of the X-Files from like the year 2000 that I had started watching earlier in the day. Uh, So I'm going to be relying on the two of you to relay what actually happens in the episode to me when I listen to the podcast on Tuesday morning. All right. Thanks y'all. Well, thank you, Sam. And I'm sorry to hear that you turned it off 20 minutes in. So I guess, uh, I guess he saw the, the, the bit with Negan at the beginning and Eugene. Um, but you know, not too much after that. Uh, but Sam, all I can say is the, for me, the best part was Maggie right at the end. So you're going to have to go back and watch the end. Yeah, a couple things. One is, uh, yeah, to answer your question, uh, a bunch of people uh, took a walk and got to Hilltop. Yeah. Uh, Some other people went to (laughs) uh, start making bullets. Yep. And uh, that's That's what happens. I think it's funny that that you're you're watching an episode of The X-Files from the year 2000. Oh, yes. Normally that's in the future. Normally, but uh, now it's like super in the past. Yeah, it hasn't been in the future for a long time. Yeah, it's it'll always be in the future in my heart. Okay, very good. Uh, Even though I haven't watched the X Files, I tried a number of times to get all the way up to uh, the the end of the original run of the X Files, and I can't do it. I don't know why I can't do it, but I can't do it. Well, it's tough now because it it's it's a little dated, but at the time I had no trouble doing it. Even though the last couple seasons were questionable at best yeah so maybe i'll try again someday when if i break a leg and 
you know, I've got six weeks to kill doing nothing. All right. Well, I'll see you at your house tomorrow with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah. Wrap it in barbed wire and we're all set. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, Rebecca on the internet wrote in, holy crap, what the hell is up with all the God references? We know Gabriel is a priest, but didn't he give that up last season? It was actually satisfying to see it all come crashing down <laughs> when he and Dr. Carson were captured and then Carson was shot. I don't know if I'd call that satisfying, but at least <laughs> something happened. Remember when that guy died? That was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Anna in Wales writes, holy crap, I miss nice Tara. Tara was oh. not that nice, but I think oh. she's come around. We might get some nice Tara soon. We might. I mean, having your girlfriend killed right in front of you or killed is uh, not right in front of you, but killed has got to be upsetting. Well, absolutely. And, and the guy who did it is standing right there and nobody's letting you kill him. Yeah. Now he's supposed to be your, your friend and guide. I, I can understand why she's not so nice, but. I'm sorry I killed your girlfriend. I wasn't aiming at her. I know. Well, that's okay, sweetheart. <laughs> well, we'll have to see what Tara's attitude towards Dwight is next time she sees him. Uh, because I feel like she's coming around after what he did. Uh, Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey writes, my sort of holy crap moment was at the very beginning of the episode. Uh, you're going to like this one, Jason. The saviors on patrol hear about Carson and Gabe, then leave for him. The woman says, come on, let's hurry up. But she's the last one in the car. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I guess they wanted to fill those two seconds of dead air, but I still <laughs> laughed about it. I'm going to do that from now on. I'm going to say, hurry up and you know, be last. Sure. Come so, on, let's get a move on. Right. When, when your son's a little older and he's dilly dallying and you got to get going, you're going to be like, come on, Jasper, hurry the hell up, get a move on. And then he'll get his shoot shoes and coat on and you'll not be ready. Well, usually what happens is when we're going someplace, yeah, uh, I'm really antsy to get going and really, uh, we need to get in the car right now. We re didn't really need to get in the car right now. And the reason we really need to get in the car right now is I want to stop at Tim Hortons. <laughs> we need some time to go through the drive-thru. Yes. Get in the car now. I need a coffee. <laughs> mm -hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that from now on. Chris in Toronto sent in a couple of observations. He didn't technically frame these as holy crap moments, but they're short and I think they kind of apply. So here's two from Chris. It's a wonder how useless the rest of the Alexandrians are. While the dream team goes and clears the swamp, the rest of them, uh, able-bodied men and women are just sitting down and enjoying the scenery. You know? It's true. They couldn't put anyone else helping to clear the swamp. I guess not. And he also writes, when the doc said the house was clear, you would assume he checked every room, but like 30 seconds later, he storms into another room with a closed door and a zombies, uh, a closed, he storms into another room with a closed door and a zombie they weren't expecting. Maybe someone should stick to their day job or learn how to clear. Yeah. They re he really needs to, uh get his shit together. It's like, well, I didn't see anybody in this room. It, it, the thing is, it's just weird writing. Like why write a line for him to say the place is clear? I mean, I think he did have add a so far to it. So to be fair, he said that, but why have him say that and then immediately open a door to a, to a dangerous yeah. room? Like why not? This house is clear so far. Uh, but I'm not really sure about that only door in the room. But why not have him say, like Gabe asks, is it safe? And why not have him say, I don't know yet. I'm not done. Or like, it's such an easy line to change. Right. Yep, so true. it just feels kind of lazy on my, uh, the yep. way I see it. Uh, 
I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's lazy writing. I don't know. That's that's not a good thing. Um, and then me personally, I'm going to throw in a holy crap this week. So it's, uh, me from Toronto. Um, in the first scene, when the camera pans down to the group hiding under the bridge, uh, Daryl tells people to go into the woods and he's standing there and he's kind of waving his arm at them. Um, like go this way, go this way. And I, I immediately noticed how awkward and weird he looked waving his arm because he just kind of keeps waving it as people are walking by. And there was something ridiculous in that scene, the way he was doing that. I don't know if anyone else noticed, but it was awkward and weird. And uh, I couldn't not look at his arm doing this weird thing both times I watched the episode. Well, there you go. Yeah, it was... It was it, I didn't notice that, but I'm going to go back and look. Look, it's funny. It's like... You know, you could see him sort of do it once or twice, like go that way. And then the crowd is passing him and he just keeps doing it. It's, it's well, really Well, that's what uh, police officers do when uh, they're getting traffic to go through an intersection, right? They just keep waving their arms. Okay. But police officers do it in a very specific police officer-y way. You well, should Daryl's see- no cop. No, he is not. He is no cop. That, and that's why it looked weird, I think, because he wasn't doing it right. Right. Well, he should, everybody needs to learn how to be police. In this episode, we need to learn how to clear a house uh-huh. because uh, the police know how to clear a house. When they uh, when they broke down my door and put me in handcuffs and put me on the floor of the uh, the hallway, uh, they went into my house and they cleared that house. They looked in the fridge for crying out loud because you know why? People hide in fridges. People hide in fridges. Yeah. I mean, that's what uh, Han Solo did in that movie with the with the nuclear explosion. Uh, <laughs> sure, it was Indiana Jones, but, you know, <laughs> splitting hairs. Sure. Uh, so it's big enough. They looked in every part of the place where that was big enough for a human being to hide in. And they didn't find anyone, thankfully. Well, of course not. I was the only one there. Right. Good. Because they broke down the, well, they broke down the right door, but, well, yeah, they did the right thing, but just for the wrong reasons. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so we need to be police. Daryl needs to learn how to, you know, direct traffic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and father, I mean, Dr. Carson needs to learn how to clear a house. He needs to learn how to clear a house. Yeah. I mean, he's dead now, so he's not going to learn that, but somebody should learn how to clear a house. Rick knows how to clear a house, but he was a cop, right? He's an actual police officer. So we need Rick around everywhere. Carl. Rick knows how to clear a house. I bet you he can direct traffic. I bet you he can. Carl knew how to clear a house, but he's dead now too. Oh man. Yeah. They're going to have. Daryl's going to die. Daryl can't die just because he can't. He knows how to clear a house. No. We'll give him that. And he's walking around with leeches on his penis now. So he's got other things to worry about. I would assume so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So, all right. Well, that is it for Holy Craps. And that is it for the episode. Um, Stay tuned uh, for a little bit of after hours non action. We'll see. Uh, excitement. Excitement. Like a non, non-action-y excitement. All right. Sounds good. Uh, I have another movie theater story, everybody. So you're, you're going to want to stick around for that. But uh, <laughs> otherwise, we'll be back on Thursday or later this week with our feedback show for this episode. You know, based on the lack of holy craps this week, I'm wondering if people just aren't feeling good about writing anything down about this episode. We're going to have less feedback than usual. So well, there's we'll no, see. nothing. There's no talking points. That's the problem. That's the problem. It was just people walking around through swamps and doing nothing the whole episode. So... I don't know. We got to find something. We have to find something we can pull out of this. Yeah. Well, maybe people could write in with their movie theater 
going experiences. Because <laughs> we can start a whole podcast on that shit. Actually, that's not a terrible idea. Like bad movie theater experiences. Like, can, like not even just talk about movies. Talk about just going to the movies. The theater. I went to the movie this one time and this asshole was checking his phone and he turned the light on. He thought he was hiding it, but he wasn't. And then this other idiot started talking to his friend. It's like, it's like anyway, yeah, okay, totally. We could do a podcast. Yeah. I could do a podcast by myself, obviously, about <laughs> movie going experiences. The, and then there was that time I found 20 bucks. That was cool. Oh, it can be a good experience or a bad experience. Yeah. Yeah. Bought the pizza that night. That was very exciting. The, the movie theater experience. I mean, that's not, it's not a terrible idea. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll think about that later. In the meantime, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can do that by visiting our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com, clicking on send voicemail at the top of the page. You can also send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. That's a great way to do it. And that's where you want to send in your entries for our Record Your Favorite Scene contest. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. Thanks again to Audible for supporting this episode. For your free audiobook and free 30-day trial, visit audibletrial.com slash thetalkingdead. And uh, that is going to do it. So stay tuned for some movie theater. Stay tuned for some movie theater talk. And uh, otherwise, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. Okay, so the best experience I ever had at the movie theater, I was in the Uptown. You remember the Uptown Theater, downtown Toronto? Yes. Okay, so I was in the Uptown Theater, which was a fantastic theater. Uh, <laughs> before the movie, I went into the bathroom, and I, you know, did my business. And as I was walking out of the bathroom, somebody ran into the bathroom carrying a prosthetic leg, <laughs> giggling. Okay. I'm like, what the hell was that? I turn, like, I follow him with my eyes and my body and, you know, back up against the, the, the wall so he could pass. And as I turn around, a one-legged man is hopping after him. <laughs> really? Really. Was it his friend some, or was this some guy stealing his leg? I Well, I think it was his friend who stole his prosthetic leg. So both. And, and was running into the bathroom. I don't know why he would do that, but... <laughs> It, weird. There's not a lot of getaway options in the bathroom. No. But that's the down hands down the weirdest thing I ever experienced in a movie theater. That is pretty weird and funny, I guess, but maybe not if you're the one-legged man. Well, I'm sure he was having a laugh too. I, I mean, they didn't look he didn't look too distressed. Okay. I mean, you know, granted I was pretty surprised by the whole situation, but sure. uh, he didn't look so I think it was uh, a practical joke that everybody had a good giggle over. Well, I hope so. I hope the guy wasn't running in there to like flush the leg down the toilet or just it was dip. like two feet long. It was, he's wow. not going to flush it down the toilet. No, but if you dip that in the toilet, the poor guy has to put the toilet leg back on then. Oh yeah. yeah you don't want to do that. No. You so. don't want to have to touch anything that goes into a public toilet. No, good Lord. No. Well, that's funny. Um, anyways, uh, I really wanted to talk about this experience I had in the movie theater. Uh, you know, everyone who's been listening for a while will remember the time I, my, um, phone rang in a movie theater and I picked it up by accident because I had yep. a new watch on, which apparently could answer my phone. And I didn't know that. Well, um, went to see Black Panther, uh, yesterday. Finally, finally gotten around to see Black Panther and the movie was great, but that's not really what I want to talk about. So we're sitting there 
We're watching the movie and there is a mother with her kid sitting directly behind us in the row behind us. Right. And now I could sort of tell this kid was, had the potential to be a little bit annoying in the theater, kind of loud. And I think the kid was definitely too young for the film, not just because it's like a PG 13, but just too young to be in a, in a, in a movie that isn't going to hold his attention. And so for the first like 45 minutes to an hour of this film, this kid would not shut up, was talking, asking questions and making comments and, you know, was watching the movie, but was talking about Black Panthers doing this and uh, asking his mom, who's that? And rather loud. And it was annoying, but I can... I can almost forgive that a little bit because some kids are just loud. I, and she did shush him a couple of times, although in my opinion, it was insufficient. Right. Anyways, that was annoying. It got more annoying because there are a number of sections in Black Panther where there are subtitles and I guess she didn't know this and he was not old enough to read. So she was saying the subtitles to him. So not only is he talking, but she's reading the fricking subtitles to her son. Right. That became more annoying because I'm like, you know what? He's not going to miss anything if he can't read the subtitles. Just shut up and let him not worry about it. Yep. So that was annoying, but you know what? Movie theaters can be annoying on a good day these days. So I kind of just let it go and I tried to pay attention to the movie. Well, after a while, something uh, worse started happening and I started hearing this little ching ching noise coming from behind us. Oh, he's playing a video game? Yes. So he's bored in the theater, and I guess his mom decided that it was a good idea to hand her phone to him and let him play a video game on the phone instead of watch the movie. Ching, 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 well, ching. Well, at that point, you leave the theater, yes? No, I'm not that kind of... No, conf- not you, but this if you're a parent and your kid doesn't want to watch the movie anymore... Oh. You pick your shit up and get the fuck out. 100%. It's your problem if your kid doesn't want to watch the movie. It's not our problem. You have to leave. And you have to be a responsible enough parent to do that. This lady was not. She decided to give him the phone, let him play the game. I mean, good God, the phone is annoying enough, but turn the fucking sound off, right? Yeah. Like, at least do that. But who knows? Then the kid would probably start yelling about how the sound on the game was off or something. So I'm sitting there, ching, 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 as he's picking up coins or whatever the crap he's doing. And I'm telling you, man, I have rarely felt more like rage boiling up in my stomach than I did at this moment, because this is just the most inconsiderate thing I've almost ever witnessed anybody do certainly in a movie theater um and i'm sorry but this is the worst example of parenting i've ever witnessed did you turn around and say something no i'm not that kind of person i I would have i can't i I, looked i turned around a couple of times and i looked right at the kid but the woman was directly behind me so i couldn't really turn my neck all the way around like that but i know I've, i've rarely rarely had to say something, but I've, uh, I have turned around and, and said things to people. Really? Like high school age kids that just talked all the way through the movie. And I, I turned around and told them to be quiet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like and, and I don't know. I, I'm just, I don't know why I didn't do that. I mean, I wanted to, and I, I should have, but I just, 
I just couldn't. Part of me just can't believe it. Like you would let your kid play a video game on a phone during a movie. It's, it's, I just, it, it almost boggles my mind that anyone would think that's okay. You know? Yeah, it's deplorable. So, you know, lady with video game playing kid, I hate to say it, but you're a horrible person and uh, <laughs> you should have your movie going privileges revoked until you can behave better in a movie theater. I am sorry. Oh, I, I absolutely agree with you that just people have a little respect for the other people around you. That's all I mean, I'm we sure ask. you weren't talking the whole way through. No. And you rarely do. I never talk in movies. I had that one incident about the phone thing, but it was a complete accident and I shut it down as fast as I could, right? Yeah. And I felt so bad. This woman actively disrupted the people around her by letting her kid play a video game. Ching, 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 That would have been ching, awful. Ching, that would, ching, that would, ching, 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 that would ching, enrage ching. me. Yes, I know. <laughs> it was the worst thing ever. Uh, but Black I, Panther was this good. This is why I don't want to leave the house because leaving the house just puts you in contact with people. I know. And <laughs> people like this are, uh, are, are the worst. I so rarely have a decent movie going experience nowadays. 90% of the movies I go and see, there's always somebody that pisses me off in a theater, people talking behind you and they're 10, a hundred times worse than people talking in front of you. If there was, you know, having somebody in front of you is so much better than having somebody behind you because they're projecting away from you and not to the back of your fucking skull. Right. Exactly. No, you're right. Uh, a few other people, I saw at least two or three other people phone light up phones in the theater, like one down the row from me, a couple in front yeah. of me. It's like people checking the time and stuff. I'm like, you know what? You decided to come to a movie. You know what time it started. You know it's sometime between three o'clock and five o'clock because it's a two-hour movie or whatever. You don't need to check your damn time. So yeah, people are just the worst. They are. You know, I saw Black Panther last week when I was in Lexington, and I went to a theater that had uh, assigned seating, and it was like a, a leatherette comfy chair that reclined and had like nice big thick arms. That's nice. And uh, it was me and two other people like so far back in the theater that I had no idea they were even there. If I didn't see them come in yeah. and then leave, I would never have known they were there. So I essentially had the whole movie to myself. It's pretty nice. And it was, it was nice, but I got bored and it's not because of the movie. I liked the movie. I just didn't want to be there after a while. But that's weird. You were watching a good movie. I understand. It was, a, it was a little bit of an odd feeling. I think maybe I was overtired. Uh, Something was bothering me or maybe I, anytime I spend, uh, I take some time for myself and just kind of relax and have me time. I feel guilty. <laughs> you <laughs> so, shouldn't. <laughs> no, it, it's my thing. I understand. But All for right. some reason, halfway through that movie, I was like, I'm ready to go. Did you? I'll watch the rest of this some other time. Did you walk out? No, absolutely not. No. Okay. <laughs> I stuck to my guns and, and stayed there, but I squirmed around in my seat quite a bit. Huh. Interesting. Well, maybe the seat was unco was only uh, initially comfortable and was not long-term comfortable. No. Well, it has somebody else's ass groove in it or too many people's ass grooves in it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's something to be said about your own ass groove. It really is. Yeah. Well, anyways. I don't know what happened. I don't know why. I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was great. Uh, I just was ready to go. You were uncomfortable. Well, I was in a packed theater it actually, even this long after the movie came out, I really? went, yeah, I went to a, a theater that's in a mall nearby. So 
and this theater is always a lot busier than like a normal standalone movie theater because people go to the mall, they drop their kids off to go see movies or they go to the mall to see a movie and have dinner or do some shopping. So there's more people around. So movies tend to be busier at this particular mall. And I knew that going in, but it was the convenient showtime in 2D because I'm not a 3D guy. And so we went anyways, and it was packed. And when you have a packed movie theater, you have to accept a little bit more general noise and, you know, commotion. Assholery. yeah, in the theater because there's just a lot of people and there's kids and this and that. And I'm fine with that. The asshole quotient goes up. It does. Exactly. I'm fine with that. And I expect it and I can live with it. But, um... My theory is when you get into a crowd of four people, two of them are assholes. <laughs> yeah. You may be one of them, but. Well, absolutely. Yeah. That, that's entirely a possibility. 50%. At least 50% assholes out there. <laughs> that's right. Well, so when, when I'm in a movie theater with 250 people or whatever, maybe not that many, but a couple hundred people, you got a lot of assholes in that room. Yeah. You exclude family, of course. Of course. Right? Like there's four people in your family. There's a good chance that two of them are not assholes. Yeah, we all went. My kids were quiet, didn't say a thing. They sat through the movie. They didn't love it because, to be honest, it was a little over their head, too. But, you know, they they got something out of it. And That's because uh, you raised conscientious, good moviegoers. I would never, ever hand my phone to a kid in a movie. I would be, if they were complaining or needed to get out of there... You get out of there and you sacrifice the rest of that film as a parent. That yeah, is your job. Absolutely. Get your ass out of there. We'll, you know, I'll see the rest of this some other time. Yeah. So anyways, um, it I, was I went to a fun. movie. Uh, I don't even know what movie it was. The last movie I went to before this, I think it was Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I, I sat down in, in the theater. I went to see this by myself in the middle of the night again. Um, and uh, a couple come in with a newborn baby. In a bassin in a uh, oh my car God. seat. Oh my! Newborn God. baby with uh, earmuffs on, like those big baby yep. earmuffs. Yep. And they're like they turn their phone on to check the baby because is the baby sleeping? And then the baby woke up, so they picked up the baby and they rocked the baby. And and then the lady left with the baby for a little while, and then came back with the baby, put the baby back in the car seat, and then turned on her light on their phone to check the baby again. It's like God damn it! You're going to see Star Wars. Leave the baby somewhere, Did like the- with someone that. that can take care of it. Yes, Don't yes. just leave the baby somewhere. I wouldn't want to advocate that at all. That's a horrifying story or horrifying idea that I never would want to advocate. But get a sitter. Yeah. Leave it with hard. grandma. This is why I go see movies by myself. In the middle of because the night. Because we don't want to take the baby. And I don't want to leave the baby anywhere. Right. Uh, did the baby make noise in this particular situation? I don't recall the baby making noise. I just remember a lot of movement sure. and a little bit of light. So that's not the worst. Like if the baby no. was crying, it would be way worse, but you just, I think that's why she left with the baby because it was starting to fuss and, yeah. uh, it was feeding time or whatever. So she, she buggered off for a while, which, you know, I appreciated. Yeah. But and, did, did... uh, but the baby came back and, you know, there's a lot of things you gotta, babies take a lot of care. Of a course. newborn baby is like constant care, right? Absolutely. So why do that in a movie theater? Well, that's the thing. At the, at the end of the day, just don't bring the baby to the movie. Um, that's just, you, you have a baby, you sacrifice movie going for a little while. That's part of the job. Yeah. And uh, apparently the lady behind me had a kid that was old enough to play games on phones. And so I think she needs to have her movie going privileges sacrificed for a long time. I wish you could do that. I wish you could get a movie license 
to go see movies, but they're never going to do that, right? This is why I want that home theater box that gives you first-run movie theater movie uh, movies in your home. Sure, it may cost fifty dollars per rental for a first-run movie to be played in your house, but I spend, that might be worth the money. Like, yeah, for a family of four, absolutely, spend it's way worth more it. than that. <laughs> yeah, so you know, you uh, and I like the fact I. Oddly enough, I like the fact that it's uh, a little more expensive than spending six ninety nine on iTunes or whatever to watch a friggin' movie, but I want it to be a serious commitment, right? And having a fifty dollar price tag makes this a serious commitment. You spend fifty bucks to sit on your couch and watch a movie, and there's no pause. I don't want to pause. I don't even want to mute. I want to. I want to have that movie playing on my TV once and once only. For fifty dollars. Ooh, that's a hard then sell. I Nobody will else wants commit that. to sitting there right. and making sure that my family shuts up long enough for for us to watch that movie. <laughs> yeah, right? that's a hard sell for most people, I think. But um, the, the the only problem with that is you can't really replicate the big screen movie experience in your home. But this is why theaters in where we live and probably all over the place are doing these VIP things, which are adults only, so you don't yeah. get kids and idiot teenagers in there screwing around and making noise and and whatnot. You get grownups who are supposed to be more responsible and respectful. The only problem with the VIP for me is the theaters aren't the same. Yes, you have these big, cushy, gorgeous seats. You can drink booze in there if you want, but it's a small theater with a small screen. And part of me really likes the big screen. Yeah. I remember going to see, you know, the dark night in IMAX with you. Yeah, exactly. That was that was a thing. That was a thing. But these are smaller theaters and they're good and they're comfortable and the sound is fine, but it's just not a big screen experience. Right. And you pay more for it because you have to be over 18 to get in. Yeah. So I wouldn't yeah, they're they're building a brand new VIP Cineplex uh at the mall, the local mall here. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait for it to finish. Except it'll be jam packed because it's in a mall all the time. Well, it's not a great mall, so I'm not worried about that. Oh, okay. And it's VIP, so it's 18 only. So And it's VIP. There's VIP in, in there. And the mall has more empty stores than uh, filled stores. Ooh. There's sections of the mall that are kind of scary because, you know, the Sears closed down and then there's other stores that are all closed. And it's not a great mall. Like, it's just a community mall, which has, uh, you know, community mall stuff in it. But they're building this VIP theater thing next to it. So I'm uh, I'm, uh, I'm a little excited. Okay. Well, that, that'll work out well for you, I hope. And, uh, anyways, I just needed to relate that horrible movie going experience. This went now, on. Now, if they only ran movies at seven o'clock in the morning, I'd be all set. <laughs> Can you imagine? Get up, get a movie out of the way by breakfast time. And then, and then be able to get to work at nine. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, right. That'd be nice. <laughs> well, someone should do that. All right. I don't think anyone's listening anymore, so we can probably (laughs) safely wrap this up. But uh, if so, we'll see you later in the week, everybody. Bye.